Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, fuck! Get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast, everyone. I am Lee, and over there basking in the radiant light from the heavens, as there is now officially nothing between his rugby team and God above, is... Uh, Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Um... (laughs) Yeah, uh, hi, I remain Josh. I was just sort of in a sort of fugue state of just delirious bliss. That, that comes when you hit the number one rankings. You basically just sort of waft around on a cloud. It's it's really no, I really I'd really recommend it, genuinely. You can waft around on a cloud being really like sort of snidey to New Zealanders on Twitter. Yeah, I mean we'll get to that, but uh it has We will get to that. Yeah, it it, uh, it it has not decreased my chippiness, I'll put it that way. <laughs> and long may it be that way. As if you that can get in touch happen. with the pod if you want to experience Josh's chippiness, you can get Absolutely. touching me and experience whatever you want from me at Blood and Mud or Lee at Blood and Mud.com. Not whatever you want. That would be weird, but yeah. you can get in touch with me there. The Lee and how do people experience. experience your chippiness on Twitter? Should they wish uh, to? John? Yeah, mainly on, mainly on... My chippiness is mainly on Twitter and on here, to be honest. I'm not that chippy. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, at Josh Gardner, at Rugby Shirt Watch. And indeed, RugbyShirtWatch.com. Indeed, we are. Uh, what do we think of the new France kit? Uh, I like it more in the flesh than I did on in the photos. I quite like the little tricolor thing on the side. It's a little bit less boring that way. I like the I like the fat ass cock. Yes, I, I'm a big I fan. Like of, I'm a big fan of big old cock. And um, <laughs> just... I don't like the kind of top plate of it though. That looks like the wearing like knights used to wear. Over the, it's a weird like, sort of tabard thing, thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is weird. Yeah, I think if it was just all blue with that, yeah, they've big almost they've cock nearly, on it, they've nearly right. got it, and then they've sort of ruined it. And I wish they hadn't. <laughs> How very French of them! <laughs> <laughs> it's like the history of French rugby in one Indeed. shirt. Yeah. You've nearly got it. Now you've sort of ruined it. Yeah. Um, you can. We are on Acast. We're yes. on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Wherever you, wherever you can find pods, really. Yeah. But obviously, special people can come and find us at patreoncom slash Mud. Yeah. Thanks to all of you who subscribe there and support us. Uh, but a special thank you, as always, goes to those who've not only come into the Aleb Brew Lounge, where it's two dollars to mm-hmm. to experience, you know, the lovely communal atmosphere. Yeah. But they've also decided to put on the best check shirt drench themselves in polo sport <laughs> and step over the VIP lounge rope yeah. to sample the vodka and lime and become one of our dearest, yeah. dearest friends. Yeah, literally just fill their boots with cocktail sausages, as you do. Yeah. 
There's a bond between us and the VIP lounge people now, as strong as that, that between a sort of V at Gwent front row. Yeah, between we're... Warren and Bryn Gatland on the telephone. Yeah, we're basically like a, a well-honed centre partnership at this point now. Uh, you know, we don't we don't really yeah. work if you sort of split us up. So we're as close as the Exeter squad to their blind barbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. So anyway, so the people who obviously we had a few people sign up over the summer because they couldn't be without us, and some people decided to do the VIP lounge route, and I've got to list them here. I forgot last week, so I'll list them now. Mm. Here are the people who signed up: John, that's all he said. John Dixon, Lee Cullen, Alan Searles, Cameron Black, Carl Innes, who has since left us. No. However, we thank him nonetheless. <laughs> Indeed, thanks, for, Carl. For whatever I mean, support he you gave came us. in, you tried it, you went. It's not for me. He's to probably do. still listening. Yeah. You, but obviously, you went, you went in and thought there's a bit too much yeah. of a there's too much of a manly vibe in here. Yeah, he probably not thought. too much. For, not, or too not much, much of a womanly age. vibe. Yeah. It wasn't a vibe he liked yeah. anyway. So, Dave Price, Gavin Smith. Matt Ford, and let me tell you, I spent many an evening with a check shirt drenched in polo sports with Matt Ford in the 90s, let me tell you. Um, Matthew King, Paddy Goff, Paul Price, Pete Bolton, and Tommy G78. Every single one of you now are our dearest, dearest Absolutely. friends. Even Carl. Yeah. I mean, I think it says a lot about you and your friends that some of your friends subscribe to our Patreon and absolutely none of mine do. Um, so... <laughs> For all my friends well, who are listening, to Matt, he does um, he, he does live abroad. <laughs> he lives abroad, so I think he he, he just likes to have some English keep, chat. He's just keeping in touch, you know. Yeah, we begin as we always begin with a player spotted. After all that, yes. Long time listener Hannah Blunn DMs. Mm. Hello, Hannah. She says, "I've got a player spotted for you if you wish." Well, if I do wish, wish, Hannah. Absolutely. He said, I work in a pub in the village of the town of East Kilbride. Is it a village or is it a town, Hannah? I'm confused what you're telling me there. I'm confused now. I'm aware of East Kilbride. It's just 15 minutes outside Glasgow, says Hannah. I was working downstairs on Saturday, which is commonly known as the old man's bar out of the three that we have in the building. Mm. Anyway, I was walking around the behind the bar as it was a piss-poor dead Saturday night when I noticed a remarkably shiny head sat beside a window to my left. Thankfully, there was no punters to witness go up, witness me go, oh my fuck, <laughs> as I realised it was ex-Scotland Scotland International, Alasdair Strokosh. My voice is gone, I'm very sorry. Alasdair Strokosh. I thought you were just struggling with Alasdair Strokosh, yeah. I mean, he was always yeah. a hard one to say. One of the boldest men who's ever lived. He was, yes. He says, I haven't even real. I hadn't even realised I'd served the man he was with along with the significant others as I ran about the bar telling all of my colleagues who the bald man was. <laughs> despite nobody really giving much of a shit about who he was. Isn't he involved in the Scotland setup now? I don't know. He's definitely involved in being in Scotland because he's an East Kilbride. Am I right in thinking, Hannah, and you could and please message me and tell me, I don't think East Kilbride's a particularly um, exclusive part of of Glasgow. I don't know. I mean, anyway, I res- she finishes I respect off with, him for that. She, she finishes off with, I forgot to mention he was drinking extra cold Guinness. Nice detail. See, if you're going to drink Guinness, just drink Guinness. Guinness Extra Cold is kind of pointless, isn't it? Can you actually get anything other than the cold version? I don't know, actually. Because it I'm always seems that that's what's in so, the yeah. tap. There is no, like... There, are, there aren't two pumps, I don't think. I think it is just simply extra cold. Hmm. 
And how much extra cold is it? Who decided what cold meant and how it was I mean, extra? The problem with I have a similar that. problem with double strand squash. How does that work? Oh, double strand squash is one of Mank the biggest swizzes of all time because <laughs> nobody uses like, everybody uses the exact same amount of squash that they always had. It's just their way of getting yeah, you to pay bizarre. more for less. It's astonishing when you think it's about very, it. Very, very strange. We've all bought into this. We're mugs. Absolute mugs. And the thing is, I don't eat and the thing is they don't sell normal strength squash anymore. It's just simply called double strength squash. There's no like another there's no other rack you can use to get your normal strength one. And now we do the news. We do, we do, do the news. Um I suppose the main news, not to be too uh it's quite serious, I suppose. Is this a piece on Keenan Mile? Yeah, I mean honestly, it's you know, it's not news that I think any of us particularly relish talking about. But um yeah, fucking hell. If it's it's more than I it's more than just sort of a red flag as far as rugby's concerned. It's kind of a four minute fucking warning alarm, isn't it? You know, if half of what he's kind of talking about as being the kind of day to day of a professional player is accurate, it's incredibly alarming and disturbing, really. Like and massive credit to him for coming out, to be honest, and saying what he went through. Yeah, because a... he's, he's gone to Oxford Uni now, hasn't he? Yes. Former Wasps second row, isn't he? He's gone to Oxford Uni now, so obviously he's out of the game and can he's quite happy to speak openly, I suppose, because he, he obviously sees his professional career as over. Yeah. But um, the um, couple of quotes from it, he, obviously he... I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because he was quite clearly not well. Yeah. And I mean that in the, in the truest sense. He wasn't well. And it's hard to know how much of it is because of the job. Yes. And how much of it is because he wasn't well and it can happen to anybody and then the job didn't help. No. But I, th- I think for I me, think, reading a lot of it, go on. I think it, it's interesting that, you know, it speaks to a problem that when there was sort of quite a fundamental structural problem, not just with rugby, but with sport in general, about how we deal with players when they have this sort of issue, you know? Like, mm. because rugby players, sportsmen, they're like everybody else, you know. They are, you know, the sort of ratios for people who suffer from mental health problems will be exactly the yeah. same with rugby players. As Except any... they have to do it with people like us saying you played shit at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, with much more fucking external and internal pressure put on you. And, yeah, I mean, it's how we take care of players who are effectively sort of removed from real life at the age of 15 or 16, who then at some point in their lives have to sort of confront real life is, is I think, something that's really important to take away from that. Yeah, there's a couple of quotes from him that are quite interesting. You know, one of them, the pressures in rugby are only going to get bigger, mm. he says. Uh, they're increasing season on season far quicker than anything that is supposed to be helping, far quicker than anything that is actually supposed to be helping people. I yeah. think that's the thing people should pay attention to because people get ill and it's not necessarily because of rugby. Some of it might be, but it's not necessarily because of rugby. But the fact that they're under more pressure and people are feeling worse and yet the um the player welfare support is just not keeping up with the pace is that's the thing i think that that rugby needs to pay attention to isn't it yeah the thing that sort of stuck out with me was how you know they have these wellness checks and you do uh you know you hear about it in the wales camp you know every morning they have to you know when they're in with the squad they have to 
you know, fill out a survey about how they yeah. slept and how and you know how easy he was to like cheat that because they're not designed for anything other really than monitoring you being a, a peak athletic performance. But there, I think there has to start to be something a bit more involved and a bit deeper than that. If because he just said he just added like 40, three points. Yeah, on. he added forty percent to everything that he did. <laughs> did and, you have to add your scores about a ten? Yeah, he says, I just added forty percent to everything. Yeah. And yeah, it's like when you think that, like, and as you say, he was obviously he's not well. But when you think, what's the sale lad, Selom uh, Kuadi, who who killed himself, mm. um, like, like what five or six mm. years ago now? Like, it's it does show that you know things have not necessarily got better since then in terms of how we're looking after players in terms of their mental health at a level that is acceptable you know, and is, is going to yeah. make a difference. And I thought it was really telling that he noted that like a lot of the current coaches that he deal, dealt with and deals with mainly played in the amateur era and they they don't have any clue about the stresses and the pressure of being a full-time professional in 2019 actually puts on a player because in their day, most of them still have fucking jobs. And this was just something he did a couple of nights a week on Saturdays. Or it was at the start mm. of the professional era where it was very, you know, things were a lot less, you know, there was a lot less money in the game. It was a lot less everything. And yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's the, and it's imagine the pressure that um, Opta type stuff must bring. Massively, yeah. You know, every minute, every second, every inch, every centimetre <laughs> of what you do is basically accounted for. Yeah, it's pretty. And it must be. I mean, we've all you know we've all worked in jobs where you are targeted and you have to deal with it yeah. to a certain extent. But it must just be incredible in rugby. You know, you wait, you're training, what you're doing on the pitch, you're monitored the whole time. Yeah, it's absolutely says, terrifying. That isn't it? How when you, everything, every bit of your life is basically some sort of metric for someone or some sort of test. Yeah, you know, you're literally everything you do is literally compared to probably somebody who wants your job. Mm. And and I think that is different to the reality of most people at work. No, I completely agree. It's a different it's a different kind of stress, a different level of stress. And I think it's yeah, this there has to be something deeper than, you know, that fucking the the throwaway line. And I'm sure it's not representative, but you know, he mentioned to a coach that he was having trouble sleeping and the coach was just like, Yeah, crack one out before you go to bed, mate. It's like yeah, fuck You need me. to have a wank, mate. Yeah. Have you tried wanking more often? <laughs> it's like that <laughs> cannot be the level we're operating on. I'm sure that was sort of like not representative of everything that went on. No. But but I think when you're feeling low and somebody says that to you, it's really you think, not oh, helpful, is it? Is that Yeah, well is that well is that what I'm not doing right then? Yeah. Is something else I'm not doing right or that doesn't fix it. Oh yeah. fuck. Um he says as well here when I was 17 we get sent down to England's under 18s National Academy camp in Bath and the training was horrific. They got it completely wrong. I did it for a year and I was thinking, I don't want to play rugby anymore. And then he got kind of branded as mentally weak afterwards. And he said it's because the experience was so awful. He just didn't want to do it. That's why he came across as mentally yeah. weak. And it's really strange. In a, in a way, the greatest sin in sport is basically being mentally weak, isn't it? Yeah, and it's the this, it's this thing that you hear so often in every sport, you know, particularly in rugby, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. every sport. Or diffidence, you know, having no belief in your own abilities yeah. also seen is, is such a big problem. 
And when I think about it, I mean, we all had a pop at Reese Priestland and stuff. And you yeah. look back at him and you think, well, actually, there's a guy who he, he, I th- doesn't have, despite all his talents, I don't think has a great deal of belief in his own ability and needs a lot of help to remind, no, be reminded the, how good he is. It's the classic arm round the shoulder. I felt quite bad for a minute. You know? Yeah, I think we all did on reflection because I think it, he had the unfortunate sort of thing of coming to prominence both in a positive and negative way at a time when the social media was quite new, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, where I think people didn't really appreciate the lasting effects of what you said on that if somebody read it because you just, it was, you know, it was fucking bullshitting in a pub to... Yes. And yeah, I think we, I think we all felt, forever, I think we, yeah. and I hope a lot of us, you know, think twice about that sort of stuff before we sort of lay into somebody, unless Maybe. they really fucking deserve but, it, obviously. Um, but yeah. But what's it, it's, it's, and it's really that, that, I can only speak for myself because I played rugby, right? I wasn't very good, but I am, um, as you may have noticed, a very confident person in every, you know, I'm happy to tell people what I think, mm. I'm happy to sing, mm. I'm happy to do whatever. And yet, anything that was to do with physicality, I lacked confidence completely. Yeah. I'd have a go at rugby. I had no real confidence that I was any good, that I was strong enough, that I was good enough. And I always assumed for years and years and years that the people who I looked at and thought they're a really, really good player never had those doubts. Why would they? And yet, the more you get, you think about people like Priest and the more you think about, you you read this, you realise that actually they're really fucking capable lads and and women, I imagine, in in, in the women's game are the same. Have the same, you know. Some of them have the same doubts. I assume that if you're good at, if you're physically good at rugby, then you had you were just confident about it. Yeah, all it's the time. that, it's that sort of it. thing of like, oh well, if you're big enough, then that's going to give you the confidence. But then I suppose if you're somebody who's gone from being kind of uh, the best athlete on your team, and then you're dropped into, say, for example, an England academy session where all of a sudden you're not the biggest, the fastest, the and strongest. And they just tell you that you're worthless for two hours or whatever. Yeah, well, this is the other thing was like that stood out for me was his quote about like how his teammates dreaded going into England camp. And it had nothing to do with being worried about the physical aspects of training or the media. It's a combination of pressure, pressure scrutiny, what's going to be said and what they're going to be made to do within the confines of camp, the camp. What are the longevity of those sort of tactics? What the fuck are they doing in camp? Mm. That's basically like psychologically breaking top athletes. Like, well, they're getting physically broken often enough. Yeah. So, but um, he says, you know, it's not the physical thing. It's, it's, you know, what? The, this isn't fucking SAS training. This is a fucking kids game that people get paid money for. Like, what? <laughs> what are they actually doing? And should they be? I think is 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 a big question for me. It's like, are we? I understand that. You know, we have to. This is it's it's all to me reeks of. Oh, I'm sorry to blame Clive, Clive Woodward for everything, but I mean, here we go. But like, <laughs> oh, for God's you sake! You know how Clive Woodward brought sort of management nonsense into rugby, and you know how management mm. nonsense always sort of seems to want to take you on an outward bounds course to you know, you know, to learn something, to learn something, you know, to push you to. Your, I have learned something. Your, I don't fucking like camping. Yeah, to push you to your mental, physical limits. I honestly feel that sort of mindset of like, oh, if you want to get the best out of somebody, you've got to sort of 
make them fuck. You know, it was the classic England doing training with the fucking Marines of all the 2011 World Cup and all this sort of shit. It's like, really? Imagine Wales are the same, oh. going to hang off a mountain oh, in Poland yes, they, in January or whatever it is they do. They're different they? sides of the same coin. But it's like, what are we really doing? Like, do we need to be screaming at players and telling them they're fucking shit all the time? Is that really... That might have been how drill sergeants did it in the 1960s and how rugby coaches did it when they had you for one evening a week, two evenings if you're lucky, and then on Saturday to get some sort of reaction. But if it's every fucking day and it's your job, is that really a healthy way to inspire athletic performance? I don't know if it is. And it's worth thinking about, I think. Yeah, there's a there's the sort of thing of enthusiasm when you start. It's the classic thing of like you have to motivate people when you get out of that original enthu- like that basic enthusiasm for doing their job. That sort of when you start doing when you become a player first of all, if you're playing rugby, you know when you're a fucking academy kid or whatever. Of course, you want to do it because you've you want to play rugby. But when you've been playing for four or five years, it's how you maintain that commitment and that motivation and i'm not sure and that is certainly in in the corporate culture they're coming around to like you say it's not about fucking bollocking people it's making people feel invested and wanting to go the extra mile and i don't maybe it is taking somebody to a fucking camp in switzerland and beasting them for a fucking week and making them all feel together but i don't know if that's the case universally it's a funny one. It's a weird one. It, it is a weird one. But and it seems that what that... we do learn is that the England camp is basically the Stanford prison experiment by the sounds of things. <laughs> I mean, it, there is a, a, a bit of that. And I, I mean, Eddie looks like the sort of man who'd enjoy that, doesn't he? You know, just fucking with people for the sake of it. Well, he does. Well, I think it's a large part of what he tries to achieve. Yeah. I'm sure he wouldn't <laughs> yeah, even be sorry about it. Certainly his attitude. It's certainly his attitude to the media, yeah. so yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think it's it's well worth reading that Rob Kitson's piece. It is very in well worth reading, and, and then all the best to him. And, uh, all the best to him. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's a good thing he's, he's doing a PhD that's studying this in a hope to kind of make things better for people to come after him, which I think is incredibly laudable. Yeah, uh, so that was that. What's, what other news have we got? Argentina's squad's been announced. Yes. Uh, I mean, I was... I just... What's what's the point of they Argentina's management went to the trouble of relaxing their eligibility rules, right? Primarily so that they would be able to pick Fecundo Issa and Santiago Cordero in their yeah. World Cup squad. And so they went to the trouble of doing that and then Mario Ledesma's just gone, nah. Yeah, I think mental yeah. I think they they did that, but also said they will be giving preference preference to people who are staying in Argentina. That's that's going to be part of what they're thinking about. And I think he just doesn't fancy mm. Issa in his starting twenty three. I think it doesn't work because I think he's playing. And that to me is insane. Is it? He's playing what Matero, Ortego, Desio. Yeah, and and I mean, they're not probably. short and of good back row. That's his back. And and I think the the, mm. the thing that's really made people go you were is the fact that he's not taking easy, but he is taking a hundred and twenty two year old Leguizamon. Yeah, that's the part that I mean. 
It's not like Argentina's pack has been tearing up trees recently. And I just think to to leave a, a dynamic ball-carrying player like him at home is a big old call. When you're in a group with England and with France, you're going to need a good pack of forwards if you want to get out of that group, you know? And... Yeah, it's just weird to me. I don't. I it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't sense to me. Imhoff's not going. I mean, to be honest, they're not struggling for outside backs, are they? Imhoff. Yeah, Imhoff. Imhoff and Cordero. I sort of understand, although I do, I do think Cordero is better than anything that they've got. Um, but they're not short of excitement. You know, if anything, they need to play less mental, <laughs> not more mental. And well, they've got to collect. Cordero doesn't really. That you know, Mayano has come through this season. He's pretty fucking handy, isn't he? I'm not too. Uh... Mm. Yeah. Um yeah, so it's an interesting squad. I'm not sure it's uh it's as, a, as I said last week, as every week squad, goes by, we I'm happy see. as an England person every time I look at Argentina. I so. don't blame you at all. Yeah. Any more um, news? Paul uh Gabrielags has uh got himself slapped with a six week ban for uh taking John Barkney's head off that on the weekend. So and somehow that was missed. I mean if you look time. at where Nigel I felt bad actually because I did say nice legal clear out there Nigel posted a video and everyone started having a go at Nigel. Oh I said I wasn't trying to have a go at Nigel I was just simply making that point to say it wasn't legal sort of thing. Yeah. And when you look at it he probably was unsighted. Although Ricky Jones got in touch But well, the TMO no, no, wasn't now there was the, the lino but uh <laughs> Ricky Jones got in touch on Twitter, which made me laugh, and he said, Nigel doesn't do much these days except the odd premeditated soundbite or a daily tweet about what an absolute honour and privilege everything he did the previous day was. <laughs> which is probably a little bit harsh, but did make me giggle. It is. Somebody uh, who should be left nameless in the pod who vaguely knows Nigel said that he reads a lot of his... I think he name searches on Twitter and takes quite a lot of it to heart, which I feel quite bad about. But then at the same time, I think, Nigel, please stop trying to be a fucking celebrity and then we'll have no... We won't be able to... I'd like to say what a privilege it was Um, to to ooze Andrex toilet paper on my (laughs) arse yesterday. Um, yeah, other news, um, because we're like 25 minutes into this podcast <laughs> and we still haven't done the podcast. Um, uh, John Afoa and Callum Sheedy uh, have re-upped with Bristol. Um, Sergio Parise is unsurprisingly going to another World Cup um, where he will be Italy's worst player. <laughs> um, yeah, the only one anybody talks about. The only one, um, And Joey Carberry's uh, recovery time is four to six weeks. Um, according to which is cutting it pretty fine, given that the World Cup is four weeks away. Um, I think he's going to struggle, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, he's not going to be like in brilliant shape having come back from a an ankle. Was it an ankle injury that he's got? I don't you know, remember. That's, those sort of things are, it's particularly ankle ligaments. I've done my ankle ligaments loads of times. That does not feel right for Well, ages. we could see Paddy Jackson at a World Cup. Um, think about that. <laughs> we're not going to but just imagine can you imagine oh imagine it oh god it makes me feel ill anyway that, that was, was the, the news. news right then so shall we talk about the weekend then lots of you know few games this weekend yes can we talk about France first I know we kind of have uh, already yes I mean oh they looked great didn't they I fucking take... loved it 
They did look great. And yet, I re- like, I'm just unconvinced that they like to if they can do this this weekend as well against Scotland and play as well as they did on the weekend, then I will be a little bit more sort of amenable to to actually buying into this. But for the time being, certainly, I just don't. Like, I've been hurt too many times before, is what I'm saying. Scotland is. I mean, as well, it's it's. Uh, Scotland were so ridiculously powder puff at the weekend. I mean, France looked so dominant, yeah. didn't they? But actually, Scotland were a mile away. I think there's a lot of. Um, I will come to this later on, but there's there's been some pretty thermonuclear takes about Scotland. They got um they got <laughs> they really got has. accused of having no plan B by a number of people. But to be honest, at the weekend, and I think too often, they have no plan A. Because actually plan A in rugby no. for every team is win the fucking ball and do a bit of damage with it, then yeah. go and do the other stuff. Yeah. So in a way, their problem is they've got too much plan B, which is all the stuff in behind. Yeah, they react they were very much reacting and not acting on the weekend I felt and yeah it was it felt very similar to England Wales the week before to be honest in that it felt like two teams that were in very different places <laughs> very different their, parts on the of the, yeah, the of, journey to fitness yeah yeah on the on the conditioning and on the prep plan it didn't look like Scotland had done a lot of rugby work recently <laughs> they certainly haven't done a lot of defensive work recently but um or quite a lot of those players there were, as is going to be probably become the most used phrase in the World Cup warm-ups. There were a lot of business decisions being made yeah. in defence. I think yeah. there's, and there's been lots of reports in France that Galtier's effectively come in and said, you lot are all a disgrace and you're all going to work very hard to get fit now, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I mean he's, he's not, not wrong. at all. And I think he's you, absolutely... You and and that, to be honest, if he gets that right and they can put some shit together, oh, every, yeah. you know... Honestly, weren't they forty to one last week? We had the joke for forty to one last week. I bet they're shorter now. I know. I bet they're shorter now. I know. If we can, if we can get France fit, I mean, that's terrifying as far as I'm concerned. Like, because they've always been good, like skills wise, most of the time, and they've always been defensively solid. The problem has always been that they've just, you know, basically stopped. France is still at thirty-three to one. Oh, I tell you what, that is definitely worth an each way bet of anybody's <laughs> that money. How, that is worth it. If you if you go to Red Zone, whatever the fuck that is, or indeed Coral, you can get forty to one on France. The forty still. to one at Sky Bet, I think. Christ! Oh no, the thirty-three to yeah. one at Sky Bet. Forty now. to one. Forty to one someplace. Yeah, Sky are forty to one. Here's a. I, that's worth an each. That is well worth. I don't think they'll win it, but I. Could it's worth twenty quid. France it's worth a tenner each way. It's worth twenty quid, it's, isn't it? Absolutely. It's worth a fiver. I mean, Jesus, it's worth a quid. You get forty. The number quid. one team in the world are eight to one. Not as fancy yeah, as England well, at eleven I mean, to two. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll come on to that in a minute, <laughs> yeah. I think. But um, yeah, uh, Scotland though, like while. Obviously, there's a lot of very drastic conclusions being drawn by that, that from this performance that absolutely shouldn't be. And they may well right the ship this weekend at Murrayfield, but that sort of... It still remains the fact that Scotland travel worse than fucking Brainsbeer, you know? 
It's like it's worse than you get them within... Guinness. <laughs> it's like you get them. They've got four weeks to fix it, but you still you take them anywhere else but Murrayfield. Like they just seem to to not be bothered. And I'm sorry if this is like a revelation, but the World Cup is not being played in Scotland. It's being played a very long way away. I think the worrying thing for because we all want Scotland to do, and I'm not trying to be patronising here. But we all, I really want Scotland to do well, and I think lots of people do because I think it's just good to have them mm. doing well. But um, I, I keep thinking back, and ironically, the only dominant performance I can remember them putting in is that Calcutta Cup game year before last. Yeah. So it's obviously yeah. in them. Which is a fantastic it's performance. In them, but... but actually, even when they win, it's hard to go, you know what, that was a dominant performance. And, I'm, and I think in rugby, mm. even, you know, you have to be, have the ability to dominate a performance. Even if you can score three nice tries and yeah. maybe get a win, it's almost more important to be able to dominate. Yeah, and you look at you look at Wales or you look at Ireland and, you, look, you know, Wales are a team that, desperately needs to remember how to attack. Well, they can dominate. Judging by the last two weeks. But they can fucking dominate a game. And they can they can grind out a win. I am not convinced that Scotland have got it in them to grind out a win. And that, that I think, is what people are talking about when they talk about the plan B, mm. is that they don't have it in them, I think, to get into a, a proper fucking arm wrestle against a team that's defensively solid enough to stop them doing what they do. And... Yeah, it's still an issue because away from home it is an issue because teams always defend harder and better at home. You know, it's a weird one, but it's true. Uh, England Wales. Well, what a fucking I mean, horrible all, game. We've yeah, terrible game. Uh, I still don't think Wales can win the World Cup with bigger at ten. Like I love Dan Bigger. I thought he's a fucking winner. He's a bastard. He he's showed courageous as all everything hell, he was and... about on Saturday. Yeah, but yeah, he's, he he was basically fucking Dan Bigger squared on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. it, everything that he did was Dan Bigger on fucking yeah. The only but the only time we looked like scoring was against fourteen men after a bit of sort of superb opportunism on his part. You Beautifully know, the executed. Reason that was Two so cross essential. kicks executed perfectly. Oh, incredibly! Yeah, perfectly, perfectly. It was pure Dan Bigger. But the difference, the reason that Anscombe was so important was that he could play tactically and take the ball to the line and provide a running threat and generally make Wales much more threatening in attack. And without him, we are back to grinding out wins, to dominating games without fucking ever really battering anyone. And it's harsh on him. It's unbelievably harsh on him because he's a great player and I thoroughly loved him chippily fucking calling out (laughs) JJ Williams. To coin an NFL phrase, he's not a quarterback who can can operate a complex offence, is he? No, he is what in in the you'll know you're not a term better than NFL parlance. He is a he's a game manager yes. in that way. He is you know he is someone who does all of the basics, and he is a player who will be you know he won't be appreciated for his qualities until he's gone by Wales fans in the manner of Stephen Jones, in the manner of Neil yep. Jenkins, because what he does he does incredibly well. However, Wales should be thinking about winning this World Cup, and I just. I honestly think that so you agree, you agree in these with JJ, last two then? warm-up games, I agree with him to a point. I think that having Dan Bigger, Wales could win a World Cup with Dan Bigger, but 
I think it's much more likely that they do it while playing a bit more expansively and threateningly than they do with him at 10. And I honestly think, like, in these last two games, Dan Bigger shouldn't go be near a rugby field for the next month. Doesn't he need was to limping be. when he came off, um, wasn't he? He was definitely moving a bit gingerly. Yeah, and he's an abs- you know, he's a safety blanket par excellence because he will never let you down. But I would say if Jared Evans or Reese Patchell can play well in the last two games, I'd have him them start one of them starting against Georgia in the hope that they can do a sort of Reese Priestland in two thousand and eleven esque clicking into place. Gatlin said he's making loads of changes for it. Ireland anyway. He said that. He said at the end of the game, I know yeah, that I had to yeah, transcribe be... it live. So <laughs> and it's stuck in my head. So <laughs> it's it's gonna be the twos against Ireland, uh, and rightly so. But um yeah, it's 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 a fun I feel for him because I love Dan Bigger and I love his absolute shithousery and I love that he just is a complete prick on the rugby field and refuses to take any kind of backward step. But I also see his limitations as a fly-off for what Wales are trying to do. And I just don't see us going deep into this tournament with that kind of limited game plan still. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, ah, get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. When we talk about quitting smoking... When my first child was born, for them... Obviously money. We talk about why so much. Health for myself. My family. I'm a mom. It becomes part of the habit. The smell of my clothes. You've already talked about why you want to quit. So let's start talking about how. If you stop smoking for 28 days, you're five times more likely to quit for good. For tips, tools and real support, visit quit.ie or free phone 1-800-201-203 and make the next stop your last stop from the HSE. Yes, but his limited game plan didn't half expose Elliot Daly's limited game plan as a fullback, didn't it? And indeed, you know, quite a lot of the England back three except for Anthony Watson, really. Um, I don't... What is the, the logic in playing... Anthony Watson on the wing and Elliot Daly at fullback when Anthony Watson seems like he'd be a better international fullback. I think it's just possession and is Elliot nine... Daly would be a better wing. I think it's just possession is nine tenths of the law sort of thing. And as yeah, I, I don't but... understand because if you're going to go for a ball handling fullback, which is what Elliot Daly offers more than Anthony Watson does, then Alex yes, Goo's a much better version of well, that. He's got much better he's got much better vision than but Elliot, Elliot Daly's pace here. So I think what, what Eddie sees is that Elliot Daly's enough Alex Good and enough Alex and um, Anthony Watson to be the fullback he wants. But I don't think Elliot Daly can see that. So Daly doesn't hit the line like a running fullback, but then also doesn't hit the line like a handling fullback either. So what no. you get is, is kind of neither fish nor um, another kind of fish. fish yeah, well, no, it's interesting. When you look at his, the way that he particularly... A, he's not brilliant under the high ball, but, but also when you see him returning kicks, he doesn't run the line that you would expect the fullback to run. And I think a lot of that is because he's, you know, he's not really had that much experience playing 15. You know, he's been moved around with Wasps constantly. He's been moved around with England constantly. Like, I mean, not, only playing 15 at, at international level is definitely the way to go, is it? That's the easiest way to become <laughs> a 15. So, yeah. It's like you look at somebody like Liam Williams or Ben Smith and the way, you know, when they, 
start on a run and if you're so particularly if you're at the game and you're watching from that sort of behind position you can see where they're running because they're running you know away from the defense towards where they want to cut against the grain or hit a hole or whatever and Elliot Daly just doesn't seem to run those same he sort of runs slightly wrong and then just ends up usually getting tapped there's a certain amount of intuition that you need as a fullback. Yeah. To, for the you have to. It's one of the the biggest positions you have to have a feel for. I think, and I don't think you have to play there all the time to have a feel for it really. Because William Williams plays wing a lot for his club, and yet he just knows what yeah. he's doing. You know, he has. And I think just, I'm not sure Daly's quite got the right at that level the feel for it. I don't you, think. And you look and and somebody who's you know been beaten with that stick for his entire career is Lee Halfpenny. You know, mm-hmm. Lee Halfpenny, a converted winger never seems to like even though he works very I thought he played very well on the weekend for a man who barely fucking put his boots on for a year um but he, when he gets the ball in his hands he doesn't run in that instinctive knowing where the space is way that somebody like Liam Williams or Alex Good runs yeah despite the fact that he's been playing fullback for 10 years now because it's just, I think it's just innate I do like the idea, though, that um, he was literally drawing, like, the pint pot to his lips <laughs> as somebody well, shouted, don't drink that! Yeah. Well, he literally had be, he'd, he'd done a fucking altitude fitness session <laughs> that morning. He had, he had done, like, a, he had done extra fitness and then an altitude session. So his, he could barely walk. And then they were just like, yeah, you're going to have to play 80 minutes of test rugby against England then, mate. And he just went... All Step right. away from the buffet, you're going on. <laughs> I thought it, what was very funny, and I don't know whether this is like because Lee Halfpenny is an Under Armour athlete, obviously, but I don't think he'd even because he didn't think that he was going to be playing a game of rugby, I don't think he'd brought his scrum cap with him because he was wearing just a random scrub. scrum Yeah, that's with, true. It's very well spotted, tape, yeah. With tape over the, well, you know, I, I, I noticed these things. He taped over the logo, and I honestly think he he was so convinced that he wasn't playing any part in this game that he had left his fucking scrum cap at home, and somebody had to go, can we, can, can we pop to fucking shop rugby or whatever and grab me a fucking scrum cap, please? Can we go to Sports uh, Direct? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, uh, and I mean, yeah. from an England point of view, though, I'm in a position probably you were in last week, going, I'm not really that, I'm not really that worried. I think we know that George Ford's kicking game's not up to it. Yeah, he's kind of not. Some people criticise his ability to get the backline moving. I don't think that's the problem. I think he gets the backline moving fine, well enough. I think the problems with the backline are, are elsewhere in that backline. Well, he gets but, through uh, the line a lot. He breaks the line yeah, quite a bit himself. It's just he's not making the decision to do that at the right times. And when he does kick, well, the kicking is awful. It was incredible. Like, for, for as, as well as Lee Halfpenny played, it was, for the most part extremely easy yes. <laughs> he was just like what so you want me to stand 30 in 30 yards of open space with nobody yeah. anywhere near me and catch that a ball that is the All opposition right. not a target Josh <laughs> uh, John. you're Josh George yeah. thank you very much yes um, I got he... called George once by a Nando's person although I did the takeaway but did like you? George with a J I you did tell you, you that up... story when I, ca- I called a woman I worked with in a meeting who's called Joyce I called her Josh so I tell mean, you that, that is... story that is awkward. 
And I went, oh, yeah. God, I'm really sorry. I've got a friend called Josh that I talk to a lot. <laughs> and then the next time I had to speak to her, I said, yeah, so the thing is, Josh. Josh, I mean, I kind Josh of, is good, yeah. I kind of mangled it. I went yeah, Dutch. I, I once rang up our local Nando's to get a takeaway order, and then I turned up and said my name, and they were like, we have a George." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and it was literally J E O R G. And I was like, do I? I mean, yeah, it's me, but do, do I sound and look like a George? I mean, maybe I do. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, England wise, like, I would be concerned if your two good sevens don't get fit and informed by the World Cup because. You know, fair play to both to, play six as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like, the, I would, yeah, I would want both of them in the back row, or you know, Mark Wilson and one of them. Because I think perm three I think, from Vanapola, Underhill, Curry, and Wilson. I think anybody'd be happy with that. It's maybe fine, a bit yeah. more experience you'd want, but in terms of going into the tournament, the issue, I can yeah. live with that. The issue you get, I think, is if anything happens to any of those people, and you know, with with great respect to Ludlam, like he's. He, he put himself about on in both games, to be fair. And I know that England fans clearly enjoyed watching him just flying around. Yeah, he's not like, intimidated. That's easy to admire. Yeah. Yes. But at the same time, I don't think he flew around with any great impact. It was just like, all right, lad, you're going to fucking smash, fly up and try and smash somebody. Well, there's a big hole behind you now. So we're just going to run through that. Uh, yeah. In the, in the battle of the young players, I think I would, I'd, I'd rather have Aaron Wainwright. I'd, be, I'd rather I be mean, in your position. What a fucking... I mean, this, a lot has been talked about his rise to test player having been playing for Cardiff Met 18 months ago. But fucking hell, he's good, isn't he? Yes. And he's 21 years old. And he's just... He does all of the things that Wales have needed a six to do for some time in that he's very athletic. And he flies around like a young Dan Lydiot on defence. And, and just and he jumps in the line out. And he jumps very well in the line-out. And um, the thing I like most about him is I've got a lot of respect for the fact that he doesn't put products in his hair. Yeah, just The fact that he's look. completely fluffy, just a massive yeah. fluffy thing, yeah. is goes Whereas, a long way for me, that. It goes a long way for me. Contrast that with, with Dan Bigger's fancy new haircut with his high and tight and his, his little quiffy thing on the front. There's yes. a lot of there's a lot of volumising powder and matte paste involved there. That's all I'm going to say. Dan Bigger's the only person in South Wales who still buys moose. <laughs> he's not is he there's plenty of people who are buying moose there's a lot of people who are buying moose there's a lot of people who are buying wet look gel let's be honest yeah. but, I mean it's interesting a lot of the Welsh team looked like remember how when the Welsh team went through their sort of fake tan phase and mean went was, I mean Jared I mean, Evans is still a, massively I mean, in the middle of it abs- well I mean he's very much I loved him running on it's just like oh I fucking love you you look like so many fly halves I played against in Division 4 <laughs> South East do you know what I, mean? I love the fact that even though he's quite That's clearly it. brilliant yeah. and a pro yeah. he still has that stench of you know I, I, I play for Trinant about him you know yeah. it's, it's it's called being from the valley <laughs> he's from Ponty isn't he he's a Ponty line yeah. isn't he yeah, and and I I just but I was looking at all the Welsh team and thinking, fucking hell, a lot of them look like they've been on the fake tan. And then I thought, oh no, they've just spent the last month in fucking <laughs> yes. the Swiss Alps getting beasted in thirty-seven degree heat. That's that tan is real now. That's the first real tan any of them have ever had. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, on on the whole, it felt like more of a test match than last week. I felt like 
Yeah, I suppose in the kind of arm wrestle physicality of it. I think about half an yeah. hour in, I was like, it's hard to feel that anybody cares about this, that they really are just kind of going through the motions a bit, but it did pick up a bit. Thing. Yeah, I mean, it felt more of a, in terms of its intensity, it felt more like a test match. It wasn't a good match by any stretch. It was yes. still very much a warm-up game, but it felt you can always like... tell it's a terrible match when Sky keeps saying it's a proper test match. What they mean by that <laughs> yes, is that yeah, was a yeah. dreadful game of rugby, don't they? Yeah. How how are you lot still watching this? Yes, fucking thing? Oh, this is a proper test match. Yeah, it's yeah. proper shit. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah, and you can also tell it's a lot. If it felt like a proper test match, so the amount of fucking moaning about contentious refereeing calls that went on during and after the game. <laughs> it's like, it's a if, if you're getting that angry about, like, yellow cards, non-yellow cards, or whatever, like, you might just need to, uh, for a, a meaningless warm-up game before a World Cup, I think you just need to go outside, you know? I know the weather was shit this weekend, but still, like, <laughs> the, the Watson yellow was the most obvious yellow in the history of yellows. I mean, oh my god, yeah! And somebody, <laughs> it's like he had three men outside. Somebody him, said to me, just... thought he, he was he was harshly done to because you've got to use your arms. Exactly, he was like he knew exactly what he was doing. Hmm. Exactly what he was doing. Yeah, the Wales quick tap was perfectly legal because he'd called time on, and they were like, it wasn't their fault that Anthony Watson was taking a sweet time to get off the field. And Dan Bigger was a very lucky boy not to get a yellow for his weird flying tackle on his hodgey. But I still don't understand what he was doing there. That was a, that was a penalty as all day long. It was like he least. was trying it. It was like he was trying to do a charge down to something that didn't need to be. He was trying to charge down a hodgey's face. I don't. It, it was needed so like one of those weird. kind of ring sound effects sort yeah. of thing, like the killer cars in Monty Python yeah. and. It was so weird. I don't understand. But yeah, that he probably should have been off for that. But if any of those facts still upset you in any way, yeah, it's a, a pre-season meaningless one. I think game. everyone is projecting forward to the to the nightmare that will be some all the knockout games where all this stuff will surface again. That's what the issue yeah. is, isn't it? And I mean, the, the the most important factor about this game that I've learned since this game, of course, is uh, that people get very sniffy and pissy about world rankings when it just does what it's supposed to do, don't yeah. they? I mean... The teams that win the I, most over a period of time tend to get ranked quite well. What, what, what do you want me to say? Yeah. People people wonder why the Welsh can be a bit chippy about these things, but when even our sort of most minor and unimportant, unimportant achievements, which this is, let's be honest... <laughs> inspire just tiresome boring cunts from wellington to washington state to just queue up to try and sort of diminish it for some reason it's like it's a maths equation that's what you're getting angry about it's literally an <laughs> algorithm like i mean world ranking you should be more not... angry when an algorithm slots fucking cold play into one of your into one of your apparently Absolutely. personalized playlists yes. that's something yeah. to get angry about not yes. this I mean, honestly, we, we can't bloody win the Six Nations without being told it's because other teams were having bad years and we got lucky or because the moon is in fucking retrograde or whatever. Um, but like, Not a vintage year. Rank- That's the classic one, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is a classic. But like, the world rankings don't matter. They have no bearing on any damn thing bar World Cup seedings. And as David Flatman actually rightly pointed out at the end of the Wales England game on Saturday on the comms, they don't mean anything unless you're number one. <laughs> yes, like, exactly. Yeah. When you're number one, it's it's nice, you know. Like I'm not going to lie, but all they're there to do is recognise consistency and success over an extended period of time against quality opposition. That's exactly what yeah. Wales have done. 
It doesn't mean that literally on Saturday you were the best team in the world in the way you played rugby. No. It doesn't mean that. It's just a... No, it means that in the last 12 months, the All Blacks have lost three games and drawn one, and Wales have lost one. Against similar opposition. Yeah, and in that Arguably. time, they've beaten, they've beaten all three teams who've beaten New Zealand in the last 12 yeah. months. Like, and you actually, could argue... Will, Will Greenwood said, and there's not much I agree with him on, but he said, look, I've been in a team that was number one in the world, and believe me, it matters. Yeah, it matters. you could see the like how happy the Wales players were when they turned over that uh, rolling mall right at the end. You know, they were fucking. That was a fucking there. magnificent effort, actually. Oh, right, yeah. right Fair in England's wheelhouse, a, a yeah. front ball <laughs> catch and drive, and they repelled it. Yeah, yeah, and but you could tell the absolute, the genuine pumped up emotion was, you know, it does mean something to be the top-ranked team in the world. You can tell it by how fucking sniffy and pissy the All Blacks are that they're number two this week. Yes, you know? they've not taken it well, have they? They've not taken I mean, it well Let's be honest, we're all, all. Just, we're all just borrowing this off the All Blacks, and we're all allocated we like, a period it, of time with it, aren't we? That's yeah, the bottom line. I mean, but... the, 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 sort of, the real issue here probably is that the All Blacks haven't been unseated sooner, given that over the last two years they've not been... You know, uniformly brilliant. They still keep like, winning, though, don't they? Generally, they still keep winning. But you know, when Ireland went on that amazing run last year, and then they beat the All Blacks at the end of it, like they were, but they were still entrenched in number two. They arguably deserve the top spot, probably, albeit fleetingly, mm. as you say, more than Wales do now. But it's not a fucking championship belt. This isn't boxing. <laughs> like yeah, you exactly. don't get to be. Like, this isn't the Cuthbert Police on Cup. You don't get to fucking be number one by beating the team the that's Cuthbert currently... Cuthbert Police possessed. on Scepter, I think you'll find. Oh, oh, R.I.P. Um, saying, like, Wales don't deserve number one ranking is saying, like, if Man City, like, have the most points at the end of this Premier League season but they haven't beaten Liverpool, that they don't deserve to win the league. It's like, mm. that's not how the system works. Don't... It's no, yeah. Nobody's ever had a problem in for the last 10 and years. And you're allowed to be happy Still. about it if you are number one. Yeah. It's allowed. It's yeah. a perfectly yeah. rational and normal thing to be happy about. Yeah. So you everyone fuck off. Yeah, you can go, oh yeah, that's nice. It's nice to be number one. That feels what, nice, I don't yeah. have, what I don't have a lot of truck with is people going, oh, you know, this nation of four million people being number one in the world. The team that's won, been number one in the world for the last 10 years has only got like six million people in it. So let's not, you know, be like, oh, look how plucky and small we are. We're the best in the world. Cause... And one of them's Neil Finn. Exactly what is yeah. wrong with Crowded House, <laughs> by the way. Uh, I mean, h- how long do you want this podcast to go <laughs> on, really? Um, I'll just say all of their hits are bad, and I'll leave it at that. I mean, Weather With You is terrible. It's probably one of their worst yeah. songs, you know. Yeah. I'm well, not going to argue with you on that one. An abysmal song. And if that's the sort of the standout tune from your oeuvre, then I think you've got problems. But yeah, you know, it, it shouldn't be though. Do you know what I mean? Well, anyway. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Speaking of New uh, Zealand, they bounced back, didn't they? I mean, they might have, fought, you know, I have been banging the, the New Zealanders are as not as good as they, everyone thinks they are drum for, you know, two years. So they brought in a load of sort of like new players and just fucking <laughs> battered Australia. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, they they might have. Fu- All it took was like getting nil. Christ, yeah, almighty. getting fucking battered by their most hated rivals, as sort of knocked the rust off at long last. Because that was like probably the most complete All Blacks performance I've seen in the last two years. Certainly against a decent team, but we can't. 
will they keep play if they keep playing like that great but they've always they, had that enemy even for the past couple of years it's just absolutely that just but, never looks as convincing other times either yeah and it's like let's not forget this was australia a team so fucking adept at going from the sublime to the ridiculous week on to be honest with you, even minute by minute that they should probably just like replace the wallaby mascot with like an erratically swinging pendulum Kirby um, Bale like he put it out of shit lookalike brought in this week while he was like he on did. a beach somewhere. He was, he was so good last week. And so, I mean, if the All Blacks go through the rest of the rugby championship playing like they did on Saturday, uh, well, then everyone else might as well just treat Japan as a nice holiday <laughs> because they, but like, again, let's see what happens next week because, yeah, it's consistent. Consistency, ironically, is the reason that Wales are number one in the world albeit briefly, hmm. and inconsistency is the reason that the All Blacks are number two at the moment. Right, yeah. and it's, on, it's on a curve, but yeah, inconsistency, I see what yeah. you're saying, yeah. Can they, can they keep playing, like, if they do, the rest of us shouldn't fuck even bother, to be honest, because they're going to win the World Cup at a canter, because when, they, when it clicks, as they demonstrated on Saturday, they're fucking unplayable, still. Kel surprise. Anything else on the weekend before you move on to shit good, which is mostly about um, the weekend? I still haven't seen a single sensible justification as to why teams are picking their World Cup squads with a month and two warm-up games or three warm-up games left to go. Still haven't got one. Okay. Italy, have picked the, Italy have picked theirs now. South Africa have cut the squad down. It's like, what's, what, what, what are you gaining by depriving yourself of players to use in warm-up yeah, games? Because what are they going to do in September? They've got about three weeks in September where they're not playing any games, haven't they? It's like all you're doing is intentionally exposing your first choice players to the maximum amount of injury risk in that time. Are you any more relaxed now? You know that Warren's going to, you know, Gatlin's going to drop in a load of second strings now. I'm extremely, I'd be extremely angry if anyone who went on the field last week uh, gets anywhere near a game for the next two weeks. But still, you know, Wales. The World Cup is about depth. <laughs> There's going to be no relaxing for the mm. next month. I mean, we sort of forget, like, it's like, oh, yeah, we've got to get to the... How many players to get fucking injured in the knockouts, in the in the group stages, you know? It's like... Weren't Wales down to Tyler Ardren in 2015? Or am uh, I, yes. I misremembering? Was he in the squad? Yeah, Tyler Morgan. Tyler Morgan, uh, sorry. Yeah. Who's Tyler Ardren? I, I don't know. I know that name. That name. Yeah. Why don't I know Tyler? He must be someone because it's in my head. Oh, of course. He uh, was the Canadian back row. He used to play for the Ospreys. Thank you. He was very good. He went to the Chiefs uh, and I miss him every day because he was very <laughs> you miss good. miss him so much you've forgotten who he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Wales were like Tyler Morgan looked to the man of born uh, at some point in that 2015 World Cup and I don't think he's... Another 13 with a scrum about... cap who looks belted. Yeah. Yeah, he had, and he's had about two cancers. He was diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic uh, last year, actually, but um, which is perhaps some of the reasons why he's had all the injury problems in the last four years. But yeah, he has played like one game for Wales since. So you, you never forget how much, you know, never discount how much depth you can need at a World Cup. I hope Reese Webb's not going on all day. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, shit good? Uh, yeah, better add, didn't we? What we do first? Uh, shall we do shit the new twitter desktop that's shit oh hate it awful 
awful interface. Because obviously I'll go make... on there and copy shit goods so I can mm. put them in my notes, and Not it's just become fucking awful. <laughs> it's pasting pictures in and links. Oh, it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. So, uh... um, shit for me is Marcel uh, Kutzi getting injured. Osterback Road did his ACL just before yeah. the 2015 World Cup, and on Saturday he's hurt his ankle, uh, and he's going to miss he's this a South World African well. Super Gav. Yeah, like he just got back into the Springbok team for the first time since that World Cup, and he's playing well. And ah, oh, it's just to miss two World Cups on the bounce due to a last-minute injury is a fucker, to say the least. Lots of shit. Six Nations rugby coming after our mate Squidge. Yeah, is a bit shit. Wow. Although I messaged him today, and he tells me that they've been in touch. Yes, he's had, a, he's had a couple of phone calls. Yeah, I when I when he thinked about it on the weekend i uh was like mate i think this is a sort of thing that was done by an algorithm and a lawyer and i bet if you get in touch with the six nations they won't want that level of bad pr and it seems that they don't which is good so apparently a lot of them have been reinstated and the flags have been taken off and it's all good they're all trying to make it work so for once twitter is not a cesspool it's no, a helpful, it's occasionally a force for good. It's a helpful force for good with our mate Squidge, Robbie, as his real name is. Indeed. Um, I've actually got a Rugby Life interview with him, which you can listen to if you're a patron. I'm probably gonna, it was done quite a while ago, so I'll probably make it public soon so people can have a listen to it because it's, it's worthwhile. Uh, right then, what have we got here? Else is in shit. The dead ball area gets in touch on Twitter and says, shit is the constant moaning about world rankings. Yes, we agree. We've been through oh, that one. So much. As you say, people only moan when it's somehow to do with somebody you don't like that's number one. Yeah. Uh, Rugby Seconds gets in touch on Twitter, at Blood and Mud, and says, Australian players having things launch under crowd at them during the defeat in New Zealand. I didn't see that, but if that's true, that's pretty disgraceful. Yeah, fuck that for a game of soldiers. That's just nasty. Have you got any more shit there, or am I just doing our Twitter uh, friends? Yes, no. Uh, uh, one of the sh- to be honest, the shit is that the World Cup is still a month away, because um, today I uh, came across a random thread on Twitter where a load of Cardiff Airport fanboys, um, which is a thing, that, which is a thing that exists, um, uh, are getting angry with the WRU and accusing them of being anti-Welsh and doing Welsh uh, businesses down because they flew to Turkey. Uh, to their hot weather camp from Bristol on Sunday. Um, Wait till you hear about all the French people that fly from Geneva. They're going to fucking lose all their shit. (laughs) Well, it's like I did some... I I was so sort of like both amused and incensed by this. I looked and if Team Wales had wanted to fly from Cardiff, they either would have had to have chartered a plane, expensive, or they would have had to have got a flight um, from Cardiff to Amsterdam and then to Turkey, which would have taken nine and a half hours thereabouts. So instead, they went via Bristol. That probably cost three times uh, as much. Yeah, and, and they went via Bristol and got a direct flight that was four hours. I can't imagine why Wales you know, decided to not put their players on a plane for nine hours to go to Turkey with a massive layover in Amsterdam. That doesn't sound like a shit. Didn't they, go I mean... like, they went in coach on EasyJet as well, didn't they? There's like pictures of all yeah, there, yeah. They went on Thomas Cook. It was just was like it? a chart. It wasn't a charter flight. They were just on a plane. It's like, if we're getting that upset about these things, then yes. 
I think the World Cup needs to start immediately, if not sooner. Dave McGee gets in touch on Twitter and says that shit is Clive Woodward moaning about George Ford not playing at nine. What? I'll tell you what. I read that right, Dave. That's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Uh, Apparently, he is is doing some emergency nine training. He was a scrum half in league in the the, the short time he spent there, but it's a very, very different position. Well, yeah. And also, I... I was struck because I always forget when you look at Ford, like quite how northern he is. And I was listening to his speech, and I just thought, is that the reason why Danny Cipriani's face doesn't fit? Does Eddie Jones only want incredibly northern fly offs? He doesn't know how Dan- to get to the north, though. Did you hear that in the interview afterwards? <laughs> when he talked really? about defending with 13 people, and he went, awesome. Oh, yeah, I've never, I've, I've not worked out how to defend in rugby league yet. I'll have to go up that highway that goes, what's it called? That highway that goes. That highway that goes up to the north. Yeah, he meant the M6. He had no idea where the M6 was to go to Wigan. <laughs> You're trying to make a joke, I mean, but I lost the detail, which is never good, is it? I mean, has, we need to probably comment about Eddie's uh, shirt choice pre-game. A few people, sheer, well... A sheer number of buttons involved there. Oh, well, we said what that. Owen Glyndura got in touch on Twitter and said, shit, was Eddie Jones's open-necked, unbuttoned to the midriff shirt? The dopey twat looks like he's all aboard the Will Greenwood midlife crisis train. Um, he needs a lesson in number ones from Big Die Young. Yes, he does, Owen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Honestly, though. Chloe the... also got in touch and said that Eddie Jones's shirt collection and far too many buttons undone for my liking. Yeah, if he's going to dress like that, I'd much rather him just wear England training gear forever, please. Um, yes. It was quite disconcerting. And his entire head is gloriously bronzed at the minute as well, isn't it? It's it quite is. disconcerting. He's never been bronzer. Um, yeah, shit for me was also Joe Thotnesega without the ball. Um, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, Wales needed a week to work out that if you just kick the ball at him a lot and... And Elliot Daly. Defense, yeah. And Elliot Daly, to be fair, as well. But like under the high ball, fucking hell, he was a bit... Big Joe was a bit of a liability, wasn't he? Like, for a big man, he does not jump his weight. Um, (laughs) or maybe he does yes yeah i mean he was giving eight inches and seven stone away to lee halfpenny and lee halfpenny was just like yeah i'll take that thank you uh yeah other teams will look at that i fear yes but i don't think there's much chance of big joe getting much game time outside of teams that england will comfortably beat and he'll score about 17 tries the the incredibly more defensively sound jack noel will be having a look in won't he (laughs) i I would imagine so um Stephen Hancock gets in touch on Twitter. Hello, Stephen. He says, shit is Scotland against France. Yes, he said, but shitter is fans calling for the crucifixion of players based on one staff, one friendly, basically. No, I'm all for that, Neil. Nail them up, I say. Nail some sense into them. (laughs) Very good. Um, Uh, What else we got? David David Price gets in touch. He says, shit, I did this earlier because he was a bit, you know, trigger happy with it. He said, um... Shit is the French top 14 starting this weekend. After a blink and you'll miss it 10-week break, an even shorter break than the Premier League football. It is a bit much, isn't it? I mean, hashtag player welfare, hashtag rugby values, hashtag (laughs) vlog them until they break. Yes. Uh, Yeah, it's just shit, isn't it? There's absolutely no fucking way that they should be playing yet. I mean, when is the bloody... When are a Premiership and fucking Pro 14 aren't back until like the end of September? You know, that's. Well, well they're not mental. back till after the World Cup now, are they? 
Uh, let's just have a quick dip into the lots and lots of Twitter that we had about people moaning about Wales being number one. So I've picked these two <laughs> highlights. I am inevitable, says, shit is the little bitches who bemoan Wales' five minutes of fame in the rankings. He said, however, also good is the little bitches who are livid about Wales' being number one in the rankings. <laughs> and then Tom Griffith says, shit is all the fucking whining from basically every fucking one about it not being deserved. If it's not funny, it's not banter. It's just England fans being bellends. Yeah. Strong, strong Tom. I like it. Yeah, it's not just England fans either. It must be said. There's an awful lot of extremely humorless Kiwi fans and, weirdly, a lot of really humorless American fans who, uh, one of whom suggested to me that it was some sort of Northern Hemisphere conspiracy that Wales were, because the uh, World Rugby is based in Dublin. And that must mean that they favour... Are they still... No, they're not based in Dublin anymore, are they? I don't even know, are to be Dubai honest. I don't somewhere, care. somewhere, like that? Probably, but it's like... If, if it was a northern conspiracy, they've done a very poor job by allowing New Zealand to be number one for the last ten years. Yeah, but you see, that's that how regard. they've done it, you see. Yeah, it's oh, sneaky, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> to allow Wales you. that... Allow Wales that one week of being number one in the world. Final shit is Puffy Muncher. He says, Paul Gabri... Gabriag... Oh, oh help me even. out. Gabriags? Gabriag? Yeah. Gabriag? Gabriag. Gabriag. Clear out on John Barkley, said, but good is that he's been banned for six weeks and he's out of the World Cup. See, the thing <laughs> is... Is he out of the World Cup, though? Because he could be back for the England game. Oh. But the thing is, I'm not, I would, I'm not taking great delight in him being... At, no. His technique was all. I think it was more of a terrible technique thing. He was kind of. He was going. He was. He was trying to attack the top of the rook, without realizing what. It was completely reckless, but it wasn't because mm. he was. He was never going to be able to clear out because he was going downwards towards the ground yeah, the whole he was time. To fly, he was trying to fly in off his feet. Yes, let's be honest. <laughs> yes, I was going for an entirely different offence, Your Honour. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, I take no pleasure. I was actually said a ram raid the jewelers when I ran that old lady over. <laughs> yeah, I take absolutely no pleasure in him getting banned for it. He deserved to be banned for it. But um, I'm not yeah. happy he's missing a World Cup because I don't think well, it was deliberately awfully terrible. I think it was just really he, reckless. I don't think he will miss the World Cup. I think that they'll be mad enough to pick him anyway, knowing that they can just get him fired up and ready for the England game, where he can just take Owen Farrell's head off or something. So he's out, and they've brought Lambay in for this weekend. You know, I mean, just, just... <laughs> France's team against Scotland this weekend, by the way, is just full of dickheads. They've brought in Lambay and Iteria. It is just like, yeah. go on, kill. <laughs> <laughs> You will be judged on how much blood you're covered in that is not your own by the end of this game. Uh, which brings uh, us on to good. Yes. You've got any, my, my first good, speaking of France, is Antoine Dupont, who I've realised has whatever the equivalent of council estate strength is in France. Absolutely. He has it. Have you ever yeah. seen a little ball of strength as much as that He's little great. fucker? I and the fact him. that his head is 40% of his volume. I've got a lot of time for that as well. <laughs> Uh, also in that game, uh, Alavaretti Raka, yes, please. Yes. Um, he's like if Vakatawa had ever bothered to learn how to play 15s. Uh, <laughs> it's exactly like that, yeah. yeah. He's like, if, he's a, he makes France about 15% more entertaining just on his own. So I'm all in favour of this. I love that Rassing just said, well, he doesn't know how to play 15, so we'll move into inside centre. That was their answer. Yeah. With, yeah. with, with Vakatawa, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And he hasn't been seen in international no. shirts since. What else have we got that's good? 
Sibin Nikosi, the him and Cheslin Colby on either wing at the World Cup, you say? Uh, yes, indeed. With Willie Rue at 15 and Herschel Yantis at 9. Oh, Razzie, you are really spoiling us. Because <laughs> um, South Africa are usually dreadful to watch by the time a World Cup comes around. They're Generally, usually yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're usually like anti-rugby, but this it seems like they could be like the most fun team in it because they're just full of lunatics. And I'm I'm absolutely it's here for it. It's genuinely going to be a crackerjack tournament, isn't it? I've fucked it. Yeah, now, but, uh, honestly, wide. O- it is wide open though. In yeah. a way, I mean, New Zealand will still win, but it is wide open. Yeah. yeah. Um, John Dixon gets in touch. He said, "Good as a New Zealand scrum. That thing looks scary. Everything about yes. that looks scary." Yeah. On well, yeah. John. On Saturday, it did. It was. They were. I mean, the Australian scrum looked bad, which is good for Wales because their scrum looks extremely bad. <laughs> uh, hey, I tell you what. I never. I mean, Rob Evans and Samson Lee look better the more time they don't spend in that scrum, honestly, don't they? Rob Rob Evans desperately needs to get fit because we got Georgia first game, and <laughs> scrummaging may be required in that game. Um, speaking of Wales on Saturday, actually. Um, Josh Navidi, first game yeah, since... Yeah, we're eating our words on that one, aren't we? Long oh, time. Oh. Is, what I want to know is... Such is a good-looking Billy... lad as well. Disturbingly good-looking. Is Billy Vunapola allergic to white dudes in dread... with dreadlocks? Is it like a long hair challenge? Did he have a bad time with Paul Griffin once or something? You're not telling well, me about... Does does the long hair challenge his heteronormative oh, view on masculinity? Maybe whatever it is. Whenever our gap year throwback appears on the same field as Big Billy, uh, the unstoppable force suddenly stops. I love it. I don't know what it is that Josh Navidi does to make Billy Vunapola not work, but he's incredible at it, and Quit I love tonight. it. Yeah, he's just brilliant. Like honestly, he shouldn't work. In a modern rugby, he's, he's too small to be a back row forward, really, mm. in the modern game. But he's fucking brilliant. I love he's him. Obviously, very strong as an ox. Yeah, jackals his weight. He's got he's got Iranian wrestler strength. Yes, yes, he has got that, <laughs> which, which is not often seen in rugby. It's but, not, especially when you're from Cardiff. Um, um, no. Curtis Nice gets in touch. He said, "Good was Lewis Ludden running around whacking people." Yeah, we covered that. The whacking people was good. Yeah. Um, in, in a perfectly legal way, he's, he's yeah. not he's not overawed by it, which is a good basis. No, to start I think with. I, I've got a lot of respect for how he's just basically bided his time, and he just seems delighted to be there. And more power to him for that. Uh, Graham Golvin gets in touch. He says, "Good is AWJ generally just being an exceptional person." Oh, that fucking video of him with the uh yeah. oh god that absolutely broke me and he says and actually taking a different view on the scotland game graham is scottish he says that duncan taylor survived in his first game intact for scotland for ages and we still have gray Honestly, that, that yeah. is an absolutely definitely a good thing we yeah. still have gray the mish and nell and russell and everybody else to come back so yeah he's you know yeah that's right graham let's let's be a bit sanguine about it yeah yeah chris jones ain't over yet Chris Jones says, Good was the brilliant piece of subtle shitterousery by Ellis Genge that started the fight in the scrum, trying to lift Tom Francis's shirt up over his belly. <laughs> I fucking <laughs> I mean, love that him. Is great. I love Ellis Genge. He's great. Him and Sinkler on the field at the same time are going to cause us to lose a game at some point, but. 100%. I'm sorry. They're going to cause you to end a game with 13 men. <laughs> really, if they don't, they're going to give away some yeah. stupid penalties, but it's yeah. just too much fun. So. Yeah. Um, 
also good for me was uh, our Lord and Saviour, uh, Matteo Minazzi. Uh Start him on the wing, hat trick. I'm into it. Yeah. Like, David it was P- against Russia. Yeah. But did you see his little face when he scored those tries? David Cockney, me genuinely dropping my cup mug of tea in happiness. He is too special and pure for this world. <laughs> and, and it just like, I mean, on the flip side, oh dear, Russia are going to have a bad World Cup. Oh dear, oh dear. Some of their defending out wide, for particularly for Minotzi's second, where he literally just ran in a straight line and neither Russian defender bothered to tackle him, and he just ran straight in from the 22. That's not good. Who are they in a pool with? I can't remember. I'm going to find that out now, and then it's going to be awful. I hope it's the All Blacks, because that could be a record score. Why are you doing that? Uh, while you're doing that, yeah, continue. Patricia gets in touch. She says, good, speaking of the All Blacks, she said, good is Sevu Reese and George Bridge, whose middle name is hilariously Crispin. Brilliant facting. Brilliant uh, facting. Exactly. George yeah. Crispin Bridge. The fact that the All Blacks can drop a player as classy as Brand Smith, Ben Smith, sorry, and still dick the Wallabies is a little ter- terrifying. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Reese is going to be a star in this World Cup, and it's going to make me feel slightly unpleasant about everything. Um, mm. So uh, yeah. it's Ireland, Scotland, uh, Japan, Samoa that are in with Russia. I think Japan could score however many they want to in that game, <laughs> yes. as could Scotland. As could Ireland. As could, I mean, they've basically been picked in, with possibly the exception of Ireland, the most baller pool in the world. They're going to get cut to ribbons. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's not going to go well. Um, Colin McBride said, "Is good is that all the or good for him is all the right twats have had the piss boiled by Wales being top of the rankings. A lot of that coming through. You're both in shit and good. I like that." Um, <laughs> Big Phil gets in touch and he says he's good. He says that France's version of the Death Star, which is probably like the one from Robot Chicken, is looking fully operational once again. <laughs> yes, I, I don't believe it. And I will believe it when they are in the World Cup final, at which point I will profit off it handsomely. <laughs> I'm, def- I'm doing this as soon as we stop recording it. The, re- the recording of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, has been an odyssey. It's been like the 12 trials of Hercules, only with we less started, fun. It's currently 23 minutes past 10. And, and we, we started, started at half seven. Half seven. We've had significant we, problems. Yes, some of probably the worst technical problems we have ever had Yes, uh, recording this podcast. And yet still, still we persisted. We, so if there's any kind of weird sound changes through this, now you know why, because we've been yeah. battling. It's just a fucking miracle we're even here. Uh, finally, Eben James says, "Good is Aaron Wainwright absolutely bossing it and making the Wales lineout look not terrible for the first time in ages." Yes. And on that note, have you got anything else? Because my God, no. this has been a long one. Honestly, I just want to go to bed or sit down or maybe have a <laughs> just, cry. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you next week when we will have cried our hearts out for about an hour. Uh-huh. So, Indeed. speak to you all soon, Tara. Tara. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bowen Branch and how you can discover this new level of softness with their iconic sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% responded that Bowen Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They source the rarest 100% organic cotton for an incredible softness to start. Then they skip the toxins and harsh chemicals for a natural feel unlike anything else. And it all comes together with their signature weave. This special design feels buttery, breathable, and unlocks new levels of softness with every wash. And they stand behind their promise of softness. With their 30-night guarantee, you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. If during the 30 nights you don't love your sheets or feel them getting softer and softer, you can send them right back, no questions asked. So head to BolinBranch.com for 15% off your first order with code RESTFUL15. That's B-O-L-L and Branch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details.